Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Travel is Your Business. And uh, boy, oh boy, are we excited for our very first guest, who is amazing, and he is Sam Jane. He is the CEO and founder of Fair Portal and Cheapo Air, the second largest flight OTA in the U.S. And uh, you should get excited because our journey starts right now. My name is Sam Jain. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Cheapo Air and Fair Portal. And what I love about travel is technologies that are coming into play, mobile technologies. So that transformation is is uh, super exciting to me. It's continuously evolving. That I, I find very exciting. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with technology thought leader and community builder, Pavan Ball, business strategist, Rob Sanchez, growth strategist, Peter Crisdale, and creative entrepreneur, Mark Rako. And now, here are your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Travel Is Your Business. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and I'm here with Rob Sanchez. Hey, y'all. Puffin Ball. Hey, you. And Peter Crisdale. Hey, everybody. Uh, so great to see you guys. And again, our guest is Sam Jane, the CEO and founder of Fair Portal and Cheapo Air. Welcome to the show, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for the introduction. Nice to meet you guys. Yes, yeah, same here. Yeah. So let's start as we like to do, which is to ask you to give us a kind of thumbnail sketch of who you are and what you do with Fair Portal and Cheapo Air. So, Mark, uh, you know, I founded uh, Cheapo Air in 1994. Um, actually, the company, my first company was Fair Buzz. It was a B2B company. And uh, basically, we were selling uh, consolidator airline tickets to travel agencies. And um, we have transformed this business multiple times. And uh, today, uh, Cheapo Air is the second largest uh, flight OTA. We actually launched uh, the Cheapo Air brand in 2006. Uh, as a first, uh, you know, e-commerce uh, focused flight OTA in the U.S., the the reason why I started Cheapo Air was um, I noticed the the gap in the current uh, uh, digital online travel space. We we saw that uh, the existing players like Expedia, Orbitz, they did not have a very large contact center presence and. Uh, they were not offering a a contact center toll-free number on every web page. It would take about 10 clicks to find a phone number. And I think to the customer, that was very inconvenient. And because of my history in the B2B space and having come from a high degree of customer service and personal touch, we thought it would be wonderful to have a digital online travel agency which um, which had a great uh, customer service aspect, and therefore we created Cheapo Air as a uh, digital website with a complete uh, backup in customer service. We we are the only OTA today that has a toll free number on every web page. So it's a very costly um, business to be in because you have to invest heavily. In manpower, we have over two thousand actual human travel agents full time, twenty four seven. Wow! Wow! And um, 
Bad again. 2000. Jeez. Okay, then. That's a village. That's ridiculous. We are going to do a really big dive, deep dive into that in just a moment. Uh, Quickly, I'd like to invite everybody to follow the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. You can check out uh, all of our shows. Of course, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. But you can check out all of our past episodes and our future ones, too, at our very own website, travelisyourbusiness.com. And uh, I would also like to mention that as a part of the show, uh, the guest is uh, invited to uh, bring a snack and open your tray tables because it's snack time. I would like to say that Sam was kind enough to bring some chocolates, which is great because it's uh, kind of indicative of, of the hotel experience and the travel experience. I think it's very appropriate. So uh, thank you very much for uh, diving in on that tradition, Sam. So we'll enjoy our chocolates. And uh, move on with what uh, I understand to be uh, one of only a few interviews you've ever given, Sam. Yes, Mark, uh, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> I've actually spent most of my time working, so I don't have a lot of time giving interviews. But uh, it's the sign of a good entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Well, let, 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 let's beat you down so you never do another one, and we can keep <laughs> the accolade of having only one of the few. You'll be the third yeah, and the last one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Job one done. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go into it with uh, your startup story or your entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I, I read that you started a business or this business um, with a $4,000 debt on an Amex card and you built it from there. So you basically are the epitome. You don't of... even you even remember the type of card. That's great. <laughs> it's Amex. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's high class. <laughs> it's a great branding for them. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't your master. Thank you well. to our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but ultimately, you came over here um, uh, out of the interest of helping your your family business extend over here to the U.S., which was jewelry, not associated with travel at all. Uh, you met some folks that uh, needed help in the travel space, some friends. Right. And you ended up getting inspired by the whole industry and the dysfunction that's in there. Can you kind of walk through your um, kind of uh, come to America highlight story? Yes. Yeah, so I actually – Finished about a year and a half in college, uh, doing my bachelor's in commerce in India and moved to the U.S. My dad had a jewelry export business then, and he asked me if I could come and help him out uh, because his biggest market was U.S. So he said, why don't you go there and check it out? So, you know, I came here. And uh, what happened was in 92, 93, it was the worst time to be in America. It was depression. It was, you know... Uh, the war was going on, that Gulf War, yep. and really bad economy. And my sister was wearing side-high ponytails, big bangs in the front, <laughs> and, and neon shorts with like, yeah, exactly, like bicycle yeah. shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and Manhattan was uh, basically, you know, a really bad place to be in. If you recall, yeah, uh, you guys are very young, but uh, except yeah. Mark and I, right? But uh, <laughs> hey, don't judge him because of his no, hair. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> he's only twenty. It's um, not. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into Manhattan stories, but it was pretty yeah, 1940, bad. 1940. Uh, well, 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 1942. 
uh, mostly ethnic uh, traffic, like a lot of Indians and Chinese. And what they used to do was uh, buy their tickets from wholesalers, what they call consolidators. So that business kind of got me very excited. You know, I worked with him for about a year for literally no money and just helping him out, you know, in business. But I learned a lot. And uh, to me, it was a great eye-opener, and I, I kind of realized that there is two different worlds in flights. So one is a whole published fares, and there's the other one, which is all consolidator net rates, which are heavily discounted from the published fares. So, but that business was uh, very mismanaged or um, uh, unmanaged, rather, and, and not uh, very uh, uh, organized. So I decided that uh, it would be a great idea to uh, introduce some technology and I just created some simple databases uh, that uh, that uh, consolidated a lot of these uh, fares, and uh, and uh, I was able to then offer these uh, special fares to other travel agencies at a much uh, much faster uh, process than it would normally take because uh, the airlines would give those uh, pricing in in a paper format. So that that small uh, yeah. innovation really helped uh, in terms of the spreadsheet, you know, yeah. have a database in there. access, yeah, in access. In access and, yeah. you know, very simple database. Well, I and like that you took credit for building the database, right. although you paid to have it done in India. That is right. I, I, know, I, I didn't build it because I'm not a techie. I'm a product guy, so sure. I, I know how th things are built, right. but uh, I'm not the techie. I, even today, I don't do any coding. I've got 400 engineers, but I give them direction. I can tell them what the product should be. I know nice. about the user experience, but important. don't ask me yeah. to code. Yeah. That's yeah. not my forte. Good deal. So ultimately, you turned that opportunity or that vision into a substantial, obviously, more than substantial Right. Business. So that was the turning point. And then we introduced, uh, you know, very high quality personalized touch into our business. We had, uh, you know, human travel agents that at that time there was no e-commerce. So everything was over the phone. Um, that that was a great introduction to to the business. And, and you're right. Like I started the business with four thousand dollars debt on my card. And uh, basically that, uh, you know, bought my own furniture, assembled it. I still remember I had to like, literally it was a one-man show. I wanted to keep my cost low. And, uh, you know, the first year we didn't make uh, much money. But, uh, you know, going forward, it, it did turn around and, and it became a profitable business. And over the years, we we then took that wholesale business and uh, pivoted it to an e-commerce business, bootstrapped the entire technology in the early 2000s, you know, built a whole e-commerce experience, the website, and and launched uh, cheap oil in two thousand and six. Where was the travel industry, or was it at all online at that point? So online started to uh, migrate in the late nineties. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple of companies uh, that had started in ninety nine two thousand, and uh, Travelocity was one of the first ones. And there was a preview travel was the first company I, I recall, uh, which I think got acquired by Travelocity, if I'm not mistaken. And that was late 90s when the email had just started to come up. Um, you know, so some of the business started to happen over the emails, I recall. In the, no more you know, fax machines? At that no point? more no. fax machines were, yeah, mm -hmm. they, they were getting uh, obsolete by then. Yeah. So it was all emails. And uh, so then uh, by 2001 and two, uh, you know, Expedia had uh, come up. And being a Microsoft-sponsored company, they naturally had that technology edge over other, com other, other OTAs. And they became big. And Orbitz was launched by the airlines initially. I think it was 2002, 2003. They became really popular. 
So between Orbitz, Travelocity, Expedia, and then Priceline, you know, they were doing a lot of experimentation until finally they got into the hotel business and became a, a real travel force. So between these four brands, when I got into the actual uh, e-commerce space, I was told numerous times not to get into this business because there are the four established players. It's already there. Yeah. So it's there. Why are you getting into it? But I think I firmly believed in the model where uh, what was uh, lagging was a flight-focused OTA, number one, that was purely focusing on flights. The second was a, a great user experience, You know, a very simplified three-step booking path. We, we don't have, Expedia has, or other, uh, I wouldn't say Expedia, but other OTAs, would normally have like, you know, five different steps and upsells and cross-sells. And we, you know, we have a very quick exit process. There's no hotels, there's no rent-a-cars, any of that. We have that, but it's all post-transaction. Mm -hmm. So during the booking path for flights, if a person is looking for pure flight, today they have to go through a lot of hoops in other OTAs. With us, it's a very simple, clean, easy experience. And that was one of the, you know, con uh, consumer benefits that we offered. The second was, we had a toll-free number on every web page. And that's a huge, very costly proposition. Imagine having 24-7 support when we are getting millions of uh, people coming to your site. And at that and, time, it wasn't easy to motivate and assemble teams abroad. So you had a unique advantage being from India and having contacts there and being able to speak the, 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 language, the, the language and everything. the culture and all. That That is true. I mean, when I came here, I was like, uh, very young. Uh, so yeah, I did uh, grow up in India. That was definitely an advantage. I knew the culture, I knew the people there. So it was easier to set up some offshore centers to help. Mm -hmm. Because to set up such a large uh, operation locally would be cost prohibitive. So that definitely helped uh, in a big way. But we do have a contact center in uh, US as well. We have uh, you know, centers in Vegas and New York as well. So being one of the most costliest real estate wow. <laughs> that we're sitting today, yeah. we have actually 60, 70 people who are full-time uh, phone operators here. Why Why New York or Vegas? Just curious. So Vegas was because we uh, acquired a company called One Travel uh, in 2009. And uh, with them, we acquired their offices, which was based in Vegas. So they have about 70 to 80 employees there. And that was a personal choice not to displace anybody and to that keep is their right. original team. And Yeah. We, we be believe in uh, creating employment and yeah. not uh, letting people go. So all my acquisitions so far that we have done, we have uh, retained uh, almost all of them, yes. So when you're making an acquisition, then are you looking at the structure of the company as well? Or do you restructure after you acquire it? And it's really just the human capital that stays the same? So um, I think it applies uh, differently to different acquisitions. Like in, in case of One Travel, we uh, they were not having a very good, uh, um, you know, their balance sheets were not very strong. So we literally just acquired them at the very end. And we were able to retain all the employees and put in our own technologies and systems and our processes and, and get them and, uh, you know, uh, keep the business alive. So so that was, uh, uh, their business model was still an OTA model, but it was uh, slightly different. They were in affiliate programs and other, you know, other kind of marketing programs. So we had to um, you know, uh, make some changes and put in our own process. And, and uh, then we were able to keep them profitable and, and retain every employee. In fact, we have grown our team strength in, in Vegas. And but with other acquisitions, like we've done in Canada and Mexico, we, um, you know, we have acquired some wholesalers that have a great airline contract. And then we put in our own systems and technologies, our own digital platforms and, uh, and marketing systems. 
which is proprietary that we have uh, you know become um, experts in and and that combination is great like local uh, local expertise and and uh, knowledge of the local markets with our digital uh, marketing and di- digital technology experience so this is a recent thing as a as a newcomer to the travel industry and learning a lot about the travel industry i i never realized how complicated it is and how many different systems are used just to book <laughs> one airline ticket i mean the the amount of supplier relationships and the uh the complexity of all those relationships is vast i mean do you consider that uh is that one of the biggest resources that you've been able to build over time? Yeah, so <clears throat> that's a great question. Um, what um, I, I think having that hyper focus on one product really allows us to go very deep into the various aspects of uh, selling a flight ticket. So it looks very simple from outside, and that's the objective is to make it very simple user experience. But underneath the surface, there is a lot of stuff that goes on like supplier relationships, you know, we, we are talking to 500 different airlines globally, you know, negotiating net rate contracts, special deals for call center. So, so that is a huge uh, operation by itself. Then loading those fares is another operation, for instance, and uh, dynamic pricing and, uh, you, you know, then making sure that we are competitive, doing competitive analysis, uh, ensuring that all the contracts are then being uh, displayed properly in all the different devices, you know, desktop and mobile and the call centers. So, so there is a whole lot of operation, and then you know processing the payments and making sure that the payment process is, is smoothened out. So, w- within the flight ticket itself, and then the post transaction is a is a massive uh, operation. You know, just to give you an example, there's about uh, we process about eighty thousand schedule changes in one month. Schedule changes. Right. So, so we. Yep. You know, airlines, they change their schedule. Mm-hmm. So we have to notify the customer and rebook their flights on when the airlines change their flights. And that's so manual. That's Well, some of it is automated, but you do well, have to get Well, not the notification, touch. but maybe, there, as you said, your 2,000 folks. Right. So we've got a whole to... big team that only does schedule changes. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Customer care. And I'll give you that's an example. Yeah. And, and, you know, we had the snowstorms in January, and I remember... Here in New York, you mean a couple New- of years back? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think it was all Northeast, and they had about 7,000 flight cancellations in one day. Mm-hmm. And and we had, because we have a large contact center operation and they're diversified all over the place, we were able to service our customers, and we our whole time was like 10 minutes. When I asked other wow. OTAs and airlines, they, they had like 8 to 10-hour hold times. So that's the benefit of our business model that we provide our customers. All right, that seems like an appropriate moment to uh, take a pause for a quick break. And when we come back, much more with Sam Jane, the CEO and founder of Fair Portal and Cheapo Air, right here on Travel Is Your Business. Be right back. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. As well, Amplifying your presence at a conference or trade show can strengthen relationships and bring more value to your investment in being at those events. Reach out to the Mouth Media team now at podcast 
at mouthmedianetwork.com. Let's explore how we can collaborate and make Mouth Media Network a meaningful resource to share your message and grow your business. Again, that's podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business. Uh, apologize for the extended six-hour hold time uh, between segments, but uh, other than that, we are back with Sam Jane, the CEO and founder of Fair Portal and Cheapo Air. Let's continue. So, Sam, tell us a little bit more about what it takes to launch a an online travel agency from scratch. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were competing against four other established players at the time that you launched the Cheapo Air brand. Um, how did you approach it? How did you build your first relationships to actually have content on the site? How did you do it? Yeah. Not, uh, so I, I think the answer to that is, uh, you know, when I first was getting into the OTA space, um, you know, there were the four established players, Expedia, Travelocity, Priceline, and Orbit. And, uh, you know, everybody I spoke to basically, uh, you know, suggested not to open an OTA <laughs> to compete <laughs> with the established guys. Um, so I, I think being in the flight space and, uh, you know, identifying the gaps at that time where there was no customer service and there was no toll fee number, the, the booking path was very, um, you know, cumbersome and the user experience was not that great. Everybody was focused on hotels, which has much higher margins. That I, th I think I found that gap which uh, really appealed, you know, to the users. It was hyper-focused on flights and, you know, just uh, continuously um, uh, improving and enhancing the user experience for flights, making sure it's a, you know, trouble-free, short booking path and uh, um, that we have, a you know, 24-7 customer support and a very easily visible and, you know, telephone number on every web page, um, you know. So those, I think, elements at that time... Uh, were very unique, and and that I think uh, really took off. And and the and to add to that, the pricing and the availability of special net rates and consolidated fares that the other OTAs were not doing. They were mostly selling published fares. So at that time, when we launched that uh, those technologies and we had multiple GDSs on the back end, uh, I think everything that we did was so unique at that point because uh, just the four established players they were just selling published fares with no customer service. And, you know, if you had to exchange a ticket, you would have to like click 10 times to find their phone number. Right. So all, all of that, I think it, was, it worked in our favor. Um, but today, I think it's a competitive field. And uh, uh, again, there was a lot of pivoting. Well, that's well at that time, you had the inventory basically, right? Yes. But how did you end up building a system where people are actually finding it? And, you know, as you mentioned before, you're not a technologist, right? Right. Um, and you weren't building an e-commerce company before this. Mm -hmm. This is your first foray into that. Right. So what were kind of those hurdles and what did you have to approach from an entrepreneur side on actually building Cheapo Air? Right. It's a great question, uh, Bhavan. So I, I think the uh, from an entrepreneurial side, what I learned that e-commerce is not that complex. I think as long as you stay focused on your product and you have the depth of knowledge on your vertical and which I did, I had, you know, by the time I was getting into it, I already had, you know, almost nine, 10 years of deep experience in, in the flight space. So I knew how a ticket is issued and what is the fair basis code and all the technical elements of uh, pricing, uh, GDSs. I knew how to make a reservation. I think 
I was, I'm the only CEO of the large uh, five OTAs actually came from the travel industry. Interesting. So, so that, I think, made a huge difference by knowing the product uh, from the depth. So I could actually talk to the engineers meaningfully and explain to them what we need in order to give the user the best experience. So I think that is, is uh, you know, and, and today if you see all the best uh, uh, companies are being led by people who, uh, who have a depth of product knowledge. How fast so, did you get to market? The uh, uh, when you say get to market, you mean uh, launching of cheapo air. Yeah. Uh, so we started developing because everything was bootstrapped because mm -hmm. we were looking for funding. Nobody wanted to fund uh, OTA because they all said no. Yeah. <laughs> so so we bootstrapped the whole thing. Uh, and from 2002 to 2006, uh, it we just uh, had like uh, I think we had like uh, seven or eight engineers just uh, you know developing code and uh, uh, e-commerce platform. Uh, my original idea was to create an e-commerce platform for other other travel agencies. So we give them a, a uh, white label solution where we can actually allow them to you know sell their their inventory to customers. Right. Um, the only problem with that model was that they could not market it. So they didn't understand digital marketing, and we created a website for them, but they could not bring traffic to their sites. Right. So we pivoted, and there was a lot of pivoting happening time and again yeah. to succeed. Uh, in 2006, we pivoted and we started CheapoAir and we said, okay, we've, we have already spent a lot of money and, in engineering and building the technology. We've got the e-commerce site. Now let's go directly to the consumer. And we you know, thought of a name, we said, uh, uh, you know, some fun name, which, uh, which actually uh, signifies value. And we got a lot of different names, and we stuck with cheapo air because it was fun. It, it you know, it said it sent um, because we were not an established brand. We wanted a name which really sent the message. Just that, right hey, to it. The, right get to the point. Straight to it. Right. Yeah. So we won't have to spend a ton of money on branding. And, well, uh, so you mentioned several pivots. Would you be willing to share with us one of the failed pivots along the way, and and maybe some lessons learned? Sure, absolutely. Uh, like one I just explained to you was, uh, you know, the original technology that we designed, the e-commerce site, was for our travel agency customers right. uh, that we had. So the systems we developed were actually white-label solutions for travel agents to sell their inventory to custom to their own, uh, the, the wholesalers to sell their inventory to other travel agents. It was a B2B platform. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, we created the website for them, um, and uh, they were not able to bring uh, traffic to their sites. Right. So the the system we we gave them, they they would have had to bring consumers to their website to sell their inventory, but they didn't know how to do digital marketing. So so that uh, we had to pivot before we you know we had to we had a huge expense. I had all the engineers and all, so we uh, then decided to just uh, create our own direct to consumer so market and. And had to establish a, a you know fair portal and get started with a new brand. So that was one of the first pivots uh, that we did, um, you know. And other than that, uh, the the learnings came uh, gradually in in terms of uh, uh, you know the flight focus business. So, so the second pivoting happened when we got into um, the hotel space. So what happened was in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, we we got a lot of pressure from uh, our board and our other individuals and uh, you know within our team as well our senior leadership that hey every ota is getting into the hotel space because of the higher margin business and why don't we get into the same space so we launched a brand uh, at that point called cheapo stay 
and we we actually invested a lot of money we created a you know, new engineering team and uh, um we invested tons of money and time into it so creating a new brand with a new product you know and in hotels and flights they they uh they go together but they're very very different products sure. so it's completely day and night difference between a hotel booking and a flight booking so that time investment and the cost and the expenses uh, what happened was it got uh, the whole teams distracted from our core product so my learning was that hey never lose focus from your core knowledge uh, and and your core product where where you have the depth of knowledge so hotel business was not something we understood properly and you know so that was that didn't work well good thing was we learned from it we pivoted we you know closed up that brand and uh, we moved on i used those resources we didn't you know lose any jobs we just repurposed those resources into other flight uh, you know products so that, that you have. can still buy a hotel stay on cheapaware.com that is still there yeah but we don't uh, that's an ancillary team that we have that still just focuses on hotels it's a post transaction uh, you know booking uh, as an ancillary if somebody has purchased a flight then they are provided an option after full, fully completing their flight purchase they are given the option to purchase a hotel so your name uh, the name cheapo air in my opinion lends directly to probably the largest hurdle that you have to conquer on a daily if not minute by minute basis which is providing the lowest cost fare um, that people are searching for, for the route they're searching for, whatever it might be. Because as a as a traveler, um, you, we do the search on everything, right? Um, there, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, there there's grabbers that'll grab right. aggregate Meta from all over the place, yeah, and then. Yeah. But I mean, ultimately, if it's ten dollars cheaper that route on the same flights, one place over the other, I'm going to go to the place that's ten dollars cheaper. How are you defending against some of the other OTAs? Are you do you still have some of these relationships with the discount um, brokers that are just giving you kind of preferred? Um, like maybe like a open window before other people get it. Like what? How are you defending now and going forward against some of the other mm-hmm. companies? That's a there? great question, Bhavan. So uh, I think uh, that's any company would uh, have the similar kind of a concern and problem. Uh, the way we overcome it is, um, you know, we are very diversified in terms of the channels and the devices we display and sell our products on. So, for example. In the contact centers, uh, you know, we are able to negotiate special offers from airlines, where that that uh, product can only be sold in the call center. So it's not a direct competition with the carriers, for example. So that's a big advantage that we have other over other OTAs because they don't offer a contact center experience, for example. Uh, other than that, I think from a uh, you know what I firmly believe in is pricing definitely plays a major role in meta sites and all. However, direct to website customers and the loyal customers, um, those are the ones we are really focused on. And for them, what price is not uh, that important. What is more important to them is the user experience throughout their journey. And that is my biggest focus. How can I give our customers the best user experience from the time they touch our website, from the time when they, uh, not just the booking path, making it very, very uh, convenient and uh, seamless, uh, but also post-transaction. If they have any concerns, schedule changes, exchanges, refunds, you know, how do we give them that uh, seamless experience? How do we give them a loyalty program? We just launched our uh, you know, cheap loyalty card. 
how do we give them other loyalty points? We have a you know program there. How do we give them a personalized uh, user experience? Um, how, how do we get the customers to uh, you know keep coming back and uh, for flights? When they think of flights, we want them to think of cheap aware, and, and and it's about the entire experience. Do you we, have a large amount of your customer base being return customers? Absolutely, I think uh, from uh, um, what we have seen, I think we have one of the best uh, return visitors. And that is actually one of the reasons interesting. we uh, are growing and we are remaining in business because the cost of marketing and acquisition of customers is growing tremendously. And that's the biggest problem today most of the startups are facing. We have 25 million unique visitors a month and, uh, and growing. And, and the reason for that is a lot of it is repeat visitors. So I do want to pivot the conversation now, and I think it's a good time to do it into new technologies and how you're seeing the space being innovated um, by you know new solutions that are being built. So there has to be a tremendous amount of technology that goes into um, creating cheapo air and that experience. So whether it's the customer service side, whether it's the discovery side, whether it's marketing, there's a million ways that technology must be enabling your business. And a lot of that is being developed by third parties and that you're, you know, you're hiring, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're basically, you know, either acquiring technology or licensing technology, whatever it might be. What are you most excited about in the innovation space as it lends directly to travel, your industry and business? Well, I mean, I'll uh, tell you that most of our engineering is done in-house. So we've got uh, close to 400 uh, total engineers and, and pretty much soup to nuts. We do everything ourselves um, from marketing technology to contact center technology, operations technology, agent-facing technology, customer-facing. So the entire uh, stack is uh, built in-house. The uh, We do, I mean, again, you for certain... Uh, Inventory, we do use GDSs, which is a standard platform that every OTA uses uh, for availability of flights. And we have... Uh, Can you uh, take a step and just explain what a GDS is? You guys yeah. talk acronyms like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so G- GDS in the travel industry is very common. It's uh, uh, It stands for Global Distribution Systems. And examples are uh, three largest globally are Sabre, Amadeus, and Travelport. Uh, we use all three. Um, and uh, again, uh, there is a lot of uh, other low-cost uh, airline uh, platforms available out there. So we plug into many, many different low-cost airline platforms. Our, our goal is to provide every airline out there in the universe to our customers. So for instance, uh, we're the first company to integrate with uh, Amtrak in the U.S. So actually now you can see Amtrak and book Amtrak on our website. So when you search, we've just launched a, a beta test for 10 uh, origin and destinations. So like New York, Boston, New York, Philadelphia. So if you type in New York, Boston, you'll actually be able to see uh, a flight and a train next to each and other. You learned your lesson. You didn't start cheapo rail. <laughs> cheapo <Yeah>. rail. <laughs> are, are you doing like Blade and stuff like that too? Are so, you so integrating that? Blade like the helicopters and that? Oh, well? um Maybe, but right now, <laughs> not, not, not yet. yet. <laughs> Actually, uh, I booked an Amtrak ticket on Cheapo Air last week. Well, how was your experience? Stop being such next a suck-up, Peter. <laughs> 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 He's testing out our side, yeah? Oh, yeah. Stress testing. Mm, that's great, yeah. So you had yeah. a good experience on the... I did. It was cheap. 
<laughs> but I think it's just convenient, right? Why shouldn't you be able to check rail and flights together? Right? Yeah. That's no, I, I was actually planning to fly to Baltimore, and I ended up booking an Amtrak instead because I saw that both. went to Baltimore or DC to Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. Cool. As you're looking at the growth of your company, um, you had mentioned early on that it kind of your knowledge of the industry was what was the key differentiator. Um, as you go forward, how are you distinguishing between this is what I know about the industry and this is what I know the customer needs and how do I solve it? Are you building in-house? Are you looking externally? What's your kind of way of developing now? That's again a great question. I think uh, anything proprietary, anything we think is core uh, to our business, we want to own it because we that's not something we want to you know, help other uh, companies, third parties, because if you do that, then it becomes... Uh, common and then they start selling the same systems they learn from us and then they sell it to other OTAs for example so you lose your competitive edge um, so for example we've just invested heavily in data science we've got our own team now and and we do a lot of work we've just launched a fair predictor which is working really great you know um, so uh, artificial intelligence is something we want to invest in because we believe that mobile is uh, the next foray mobile first is one of our strategies that we want to you know focus on and um, and and we want to use uh, the chatbots uh, powered by artificial intelligence and, uh, and human combination. How far along in that process are you? Uh, this is just something in planning stages, but that's something uh, we know is going to come sooner or later. So that we're actually is, very uh, close with the few AI firms that you should be in touch so with. We should definitely get in Absolutely. touch. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. We actually, you know, They're what really I uh, um, and then that's the reason um, you know we. Uh, invested in Voyager and and got them started, and we've got Peter, Frank, uh, who are the well. I'm happy you just founders. mentioned Voyager. Yeah. So for our listeners that don't know, of course, everyone on this table is familiar with Voyager. Why don't you explain um, from what I see Voyager as? It's like your eyes and ears on innovation. Absolutely. Bit, right? So right, yeah. maybe you could explain what Voyager is. So you actually hit it right on the head. Uh, it's uh, you know Voyager is uh, uh, we can call it uh, incubator slash uh, VWork for travel. You know you could give it different names. Um, and we were very lucky to have you know Peter and Frank. Uh, you know I met them and a phenomenal team to get started. They founded it. They launched it. And now we've got Andrew and uh, Cedar well, and Peter's, John. Peter's all right. Uh, um, that Frank guy, though, really <laughs> like him. <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> no, no, I think so Frank Voyager essentially is um, like an incubator co-working environment hmm. in New York. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Do you have so, plans to extend it outside of New York? I think we should. I was just... Uh, um, you know, thinking about an idea that if it does well and they're going to focus right and uh, the the uh, uh, their uh, membership group is growing in a big way. And uh, what we believe in is I think uh, we need to be present in all the major centers in the U.S. and then maybe globally. So I think it, it really depends on the entrepreneurship <laughs> of Andrew, Peter, really? Frank, and the teams. If they it, want to take it, really it you only, know, I'm, I'm here to support them. For Voyager sure. really only opened its doors maybe eight weeks ago. Really? Right, and and it's a soft launch. I mean, it's it's officially launching at Focusrite. So Absolutely, yeah. There's no congratulations. Uh, congratulations <laughs> to you. <laughs> How can people get involved with Voyager if they're listening on the innovation side? Like, who? Are, what's the profile of um, company to be in there? Um, how are you looking to support their growth? And uh, is there an expectation that Fair Portal um, or Cheapo Air will be involved in that storyline? 
Right. So absolutely, I I think the the whole purpose of starting Voyager was, like you said earlier, Pavan, is to really know, be in the know, what's happening in technology, uh, stay in touch with all these uh, young entrepreneurs who are in, engineering minded, very technical, who have a uh, you know great energy and they they are very entrepreneurial, and also for us, uh, you know, Fair Portal, we've got thirty five hundred global employees, four hundred engineers. My uh, biggest challenge is always how to find the right talent and and i think it could be a great way to attract talent and uh, and uh, besides just you know knowing about what are the latest uh, in technologies for example you just mentioned there is some startups you know about artificial intelligence and and the good thing about the startup uh, mindset is their is their attitude is so amazing they are really uh, you know um, they do their level best they work very hard they get things done they pivot fast they're very entrepreneurial, so it's low cost and uh, very creative. So I, I want to try to tap into that uh, talent pool, you know, and Voyager is a great way for us to, uh, you know, we're actually in talks with Frank and Peter and Andrew to come up with, uh, we've got, you know, you can imagine uh, when you're selling, you know, millions and millions of transactions and you've got 25 million unique visitors, um, there's a huge amount of opportunity to continuously optimize. So we have hundreds of problems that we try to solve, some of them that we can't solve ourselves, so we would like to outsource it. Mm -hmm. And some of these, you know, and we are willing to pay them, uh, you know, Pizza. to... <laughs> All you, mostly, I, I, mean, I mean, no, I agree that I, I appreciate your like interest in paying people money. <laughs> yeah, but nice these guys stuff. are the same people that will just eat pizza. Yeah, I mean, sometimes <laughs> and if you give them a sleeping bag even <laughs> with, you, with your logo on it. That it would work. work amazing, yeah. <laughs> All right, that is a fantastic point to take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, obviously uh, more with Sam and also... Uh, our feature off the beaten path right after this on travel is your business be right back coming soon a new podcast called experience magic hosted by alert tech's vp of sales brian laney will explore how brands are innovating to create amazing consumer experiences hey everybody this is brian laney i have a customer experience podcast i grew up in customer experience not many people can say that they've uh, spent their entire career and were raised uh, talking about customer experience in fitting rooms, talking about uh, customer experience in retail apparel, and just look, dissecting every single experience. We've worked with some of the biggest names in retail, doing some really cool stuff, cool projects, amazing people. Um, and one thing that I just always felt was just missing is you know, we just don't have any place to collaborate and talk openly about the ways that we use technology to create magic. And these are things that are, are important. We can learn from them. And then you can bring some of that magic into your world. This is going to be an experience. Visit experiencemagicpodcast.com and sign up to be notified when the show launches. That's experiencemagicpodcast.com. Welcome back to our final segment of Travel Is Your Business, which means it is time for Off the Beaten Path. That's right, Off the Beaten Path, where we ask questions that are a little off the beaten path and a little more personal in nature. And uh, we're going to start it off with Peter. Sam, can you describe the strangest travel experience you've ever had? So, uh, Peter, uh, that's a great question. And... Uh, I think uh, 
the weirdest uh, i would say was uh, once i was traveling uh, in a in a town called rindavan in india and uh, that's a few hours from delhi uh, on the way to agra and it's a beautiful town it actually has a lot of significance because it's a birthplace of uh, lord krishna which is one of the you know most revered gods in india and uh, i was there uh, because my parents actually lived used to live there and i was just like it's a it's a beautiful town it's a small town a lot of temples i think it's got like 2000 temples in that one town um and i was just walking on the street in the morning and you know i had my I was wearing shorts it was very hot day and uh, i i had my sunglasses on and, and i was just taking a stroll and and this town is famous for its monkeys and monkeys are again revered in india because uh, they they are actually very close to to gods and temples so they're never harmed and they're taken care of and so this town has like you know hundreds of thousands of monkeys all over the place so i'm walking and taking a stroll and suddenly um there's this little fingers that like something that jumped on my shoulders and and little fingers that just snatched my sunglasses and i'm looking around and it's like this monkey running around and all the the villagers and the town people are laughing and uh, you know and it, was and it was the like, coolest looking monkey in <laughs> all of looking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny part was the guy uh, the monkey took up my sunglasses and uh, the the townsfolk told me and explained to me how to get my sunglasses back and and the coolest part is if you gave the monkey the banana he would return your sunglasses oh that's a real oh, thing wow. yes so okay. the monkeys are really smart <laughs> so they so they don't have to learn yeah yeah, yeah. commerce so because they don't really need the no. sunglasses then they don't know what to do with the sunglasses i've been so. trained as a little kid to never like bring out my camera or take a picture of a monkey for some reason it was always like never take a picture of them cuz they'll just snatch your camera right, so right. that's true yes okay so, <laughs> no but they do give it back to you as long as you give them the monkey some food. Uh, the, the the monkey banana, banana. <laughs> that's amazing i could have learned that in uh, playing nintendo I guess, right? You just never really pay attention to the lessons that you learn on video games. <laughs> so, All right, Pavan, why don't you go ahead? Um, I'm going to go food, man. So what is the most unique uh, dining experience that you've had um, in your travels? Hmm. Nothing like uh, our friend Zimmerman. Oh, like like uh, what is that? The weirdest food or craziest food? Yeah, 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 food? yeah. Have you uh, done any of that stuff? N- not really, no. I'm... Uh... I only eat chicken and fish so right. I haven't eaten anything crazy. Um again uh, from a food standpoint you know so I, I was just uh, thinking about that. Well let's get off of the <clears throat> tangent of weird by the way. I'm okay. talking memorable, okay? <laughs> it does not have to be weird it can Th- be weird. Thanks thanks for right. making it easier. Yeah 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 no I just want to know like yeah exactly. The I come from a vegetarian family so nothing yeah. is weird <laughs> except for you eat chicken and fish. Are you Jane? Yes, I'm Jane. Just like your last name. Yes, so exactly. you're really not supposed to eat. Right. So we're like naughty, very naughty I grew boy. up not eating any non-vegetarian <laughs> food until I was 18 and then okay. my cousin introduced me to some good tandoori chicken and I started I nice. loved it. Before <laughs> moving to New York. Before moving to New York. Oh, yes, so. we just got you in time. That's good. <laughs> and beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's and beer. So yeah, I think to answer your question um uh, the most memorable and it's a recent trip that i took to hawaii and uh, we had a great tour guide and and we were like uh, my family my wife and kids and uh, we had a couple of friends with us and with the guide uh, you know he was taking us around uh, uh, honolulu and and uh, he came uh, we went through uh, on a van 
through some uh, again off the beaten path like some uh, uh, some you know small road and uh, he stopped in the middle of nowhere there were just like plantations there and and there were like some uh, local fruit sellers there on the street side and i'll tell you uh, pawan this is an experience it was so amazing that the fruits that i had i think we we had mango we had papaya we had the uh, guavas and it was so delicious that i've never experienced that in like you could go to whole food you could go to any grocery store you won't get that type of quality mm-hmm. so i actually came up with this great business idea that if i ever come out of travel i would get into the food business and start sending daily shipments you know to people <laughs> from yeah. uh, from honolulu what do you know about starting a business though so <laughs> not much <laughs> so so i think i i just told my wife that this was so amazing and it would gr- give me opportunity to go to honolulu i love that uh, you know whole experience and try those fruits so i think just being in that uh, location at the right weather the right climate and the right place and and t- tasting that food it's so authentic yeah i mean it's very different from what you try here you know, so well, fortunately a, yeah. you have a handful of travel connections <laughs> yeah. to realize that dream <laughs> exactly <laughs> and let's finish out with rob so um i kind of like childhood it seems interesting so i'm wondering if if you have a a memory like an early memory of a travel experience maybe the first time you went somewhere that you weren't familiar with so yeah thanks rob uh, that's a great question um So when I was young my cousins they lived in uh in uh Kathmandu in Nepal and uh, they you know they had a pretty nice size house there and you know very successful you know uh my uncle and aunt were very successful there so we used to go and visit them there and uh so I have a lot of memories you know going from India to Kathmandu they one thing that really excited us was they had legalized gambling there so <laughs> so the casinos you know was the first time experiencing a casino in india there's no legalized gambling so i mean just like we wouldn't gamble we were kids but just experiencing that and the lights uh, the noises the lights and yeah. noises mm-hmm. and first time i tried pizza in okay. <laughs> in nepal and uh, the mountains and the scenery and you know just just saying that hey i'd been abroad you know it was not a a far off place but yeah. you know just that saying to your friends that hey i've been abroad out of india you know <laughs> so yeah. that was something um uh, so yeah uh, nepal and and it's a very exciting place like they have so many temples and i don't know if you guys have been there but it's an unbelievable place like so much nature you know mount everest is there beautiful temples and you know there's a very famous shiva temple there um so yeah that that would be my most exciting trip that i remember. All right. And uh let's wind up with a final thought. Considering all of your experience in entrepreneurialism and starting and running businesses and your understanding of the travel industry, what might be one final thought you'd like to leave with the audience? Yeah, I think it's a wonderful question, Mark. Um uh, I, I think from uh <clears throat> you know luckily and thankfully god has uh, given me everything and i've had great experiences and i love what i do we've got you know um i'm proud of the fact that uh, we never had uh, you know to lay off anyone uh, so to speak we you know even 911 happened and we retained every employee that that we had uh, i i think my uh, you know suggestion or uh, 
recommendation to young entrepreneurs would be to to really uh, not focus on uh, so much on making money, but but focus more on your employees and and your customers. And I think money follows. I think that that piece was uh, has been a great inspiration and learning for me. And uh, uh, that does not mean that you do not worry about uh, profitability and revenue. Um, I, I think uh, the the hyper focus on employees and user experience and and customer uh, journey, I think, uh, generally would lead them to uh, a profitable uh, um, a business model. So I, I think that you know, just remembering that. Um, and and being persistent and you know always being cost conscious like keeping your uh, overheads low, I think uh, you know is, is very critical for most uh, you know new uh, startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, great, thank you very much. And uh, how can people connect with you that may have some great ideas or are looking to be inspired or just follow your journey? Well, uh, anybody uh, who has a thought or an idea or suggestion or comments could uh, send it to me at sam at fairportal.com and that's my email address great that's a uh, fair portal f-a-r-e-p-o-r-t-a-l that is right yeah. great all right that's it for this episode of travel is your business thanks so much for listening and thanks to uh sam jane for joining us so for rob sanchez good night y'all puffin ball shake it easy peter Crisdale. see ya i'm mark rako uh we'll see you next time have a great day thanks mark appreciate it This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.